no one thinks of like, oh, this year was so great. It wasn't hard. It was easy. We won. Like, there is not a single team that's ever said that. Like, every team faces adversity, and it's who can come through it, learn from it the fastest is always just going to be the one that's on top, 100%. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete, and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well. But now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just going to dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm going to have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast, sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive. And that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us. Learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Welcome to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off podcast. I am Ashley Agle, and I am so excited for you guys to meet one of my old teammates, great friends, and legendary softball player, Lauren Hager. If you guys don't know who Lauren is, uh, give me a brief two minutes to go over all of the fantastic things she has done in her career. First of all, I love going to Wikipedia just to see like what some of these players are known as. And I just laughed because it said the nickname on Wikipedia for Lauren is Hagerbomb, which reminded me that that is what we called her when she was up to bat when we played together. Back to all of the amazing things she's done. She played for Team USA in the Pan American Championships in 2010. That was before she pitched and was a first baseman at the University of Florida, where she won two back-to-back national championships. Whoa, that's insane. I just remember watching her play, and it was just incredible. She was the third collegiate player in history to receive Most Outstanding Player of the Women's College World Series and USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year. The two people that did it before her were Danielle Laurie, who, yes, we have had on the podcast before, and Kaylani Ricketts, who pitched at Oklahoma. She was also the first player in the history of college softball to record 70 home runs as a hitter and 70 wins as a pitcher. No one has even come close to this. I think the record has been like under 60 on both ends. That's like Babe Ruth status here. She was also nominated as the SEC Female Athlete of the Year, SEC Pitcher of the Year, 
And to top off that just incredible two-year stand for her, she was nominated for two ESPY awards as the best female collegiate athlete and best championship performance. Holy smokes. Then after all of these amazing things she did at Florida, she got to be my teammate. I don't want to say she got to be mine. I got to be her teammate for the Dallas Charge, which is where she and I both started our professional careers together. And there are a lot of fun little stories you're going to listen into this episode about our experience together. And then she finished off her career pitching for the Scrapyard Dogs. She now lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, giving lessons and coaching a competitive travel team called Team North Carolina. That team consists of many players who went to play collegiately, and they are pretty lucky to have Lauren as a coach. So in this episode, here are some things you're going to get access to. I asked her the question of what it was like leading Florida to two national titles. You're going to start seeing how Lauren thinks, how she acts on the mound, what type of a player she is, and it's really insightful. Also, you're going to learn why she believes that playing three sports in high school was really good for her and why she would recommend playing multiple sports. She gives us the real real on what pro softball used to be. And when I say used to be, it used to be not great, going to be completely honest. We share a couple real experiences that her and I went about together and how she was a really good advocate for the professional athletes in the future to get amazing things. AKA Athletes Unlimited, which just wrapped up a season. She talks a ton about why she loves watching Athletes Unlimited and where she believes the game is headed. She also talks about what she learned from Coach Walton at Florida. So Coach Walt um, and her pitching coach as well were super big influences on her career. And because they were the coaches that they were, it really helped set her up for success as a coach now. She is now coaching travel ball and giving lessons. And she tells us why most people probably wouldn't want to coach travel ball, what she would change about travel ball because she doesn't love Um, a lot of things going on there and what she's doing to change it and why she loves being a coach. And at the end, of course, we go over my embarrassing softball story from pro and Lauren was pretty surprised that I brought this up. This is something that I have been waiting to get on the podcast to you. You are going to fall in love with Lauren Hager as I did as her teammate. And I'm so excited for you to get to know her. Welcome to the show, Lauren Hager. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to When the Cleats Come Off. I have former teammate from the Dallas Charge. And basically, you guys heard prior to this how many accolades she has. It's kind of crazy. We're not going to spend another 10 minutes talking about it. But Lauren Ager, welcome to the convo. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, man. This interview, it's, it could go to a million places. Like, it's only because I know you so well. It's like, We can talk about pitching and hitting. We can talk about travel ball. We can talk about body positivity. We could talk about multi-sport athletes. Like you and I have talked about this so much. And I think what can help the audience get to know you better, and I love starting off with this question, is just like, where has your journey started in softball? Where has it led you? What lessons has it taught you? Like, Just share with me your story through softball so the audience and I can get to know it a little better. Yeah. So I think everybody assumes that I was born in Florida, which I am not. So I was born in um, Phoenix, Arizona, and I was there, and my whole family still lives there. 
um, so I was 18. Well, I mean, if you want to get really detailed, I guess we could talk about, I didn't play multiple sports in high school. I played travel volleyball. I've actually been missing volleyball a lot lately. Um, always wishing like they have adult leagues in Charlotte, but I give lessons at night. So I can't ever play in them, but I think it would be really fun. One night a week. That's all it takes. God, I know. I wish it's like on my busiest <laughs> night. You know what I mean? Um, of course, but I you know, wish I could do that to like work out because that would be a much more fun workout than anything else I can think of. Um, so I played, you know, basketball, volleyball, my whole life. Um, softball was always a huge priority of mine and something that brought me so much joy. It was also something I was good at and that makes you feel good too. And that's probably why you want to keep doing stuff like that. Volleyball was definitely something I had to work more at. So I enjoyed that part of that. Um, I started pitching when I was like 12 and I think people don't know that either. I was a catcher and then I started having knee problems at like 11 and my parents were like, let's pick something else. So (laughs) it was mainly because of growing and stuff when you look back at it. But I started pitching actually like very seriously when I was around 12. And so I, I give lessons full time. And so I get young kids that are like, I'm 11. Is it too late? I'm like, no way. <laughs> like You are 11 years old. And it's okay. Um, so then I played in California all the time for travel ball. I played for the Arizona hot shots for most of the later parts of my travel ball years, Florida saw me in California. Um, I had just recently like saw who they were because they came to Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl with Tim Tebow. And so I was like, oh, Florida. But I was never a Florida fan. That was never something that was like a part of my family, nothing. Um, And so I kind of realized like I was like, oh, I know who that is. And then they came and watched me play and we did all the things and the unofficial visit and to I took unofficials to five schools and I narrowed it down to Florida. So then. I went to Florida from 20 season 2012 to 2015. Um, so it seems like forever ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting old. Because you graduated <laughs> in the same year as me, right? Yeah, same year. Yeah. You're a year so, older than me, though. Well, I'm like a half a year older. Oh, but yeah. your 93 birthday? I am. We Barely. just aged ourselves. Yeah. I should have done that. <laughs> we did. Who cares? Who cares? So... <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm not missing anything. Is this like a good brief overview? I guess. Dude, that's your story. Oh. If you feel okay. like. <laughs> well, it depends on how detailed you want me to get it. Um, no, I played in Florida. I pitched and hit at the University of Florida. So that was, I think, really something that was a big priority to me in my recruiting process. I asked every single school if I could do both. Um, I don't necessarily think Coach Walton knew that I could hit at the level that I did Mm -hmm. until I got there. And he was like, Oh yes, you can. So that was really (laughs) cool. It was really hard. It was a lot of extra that I had to do that. I think people don't realize when you are a hitting pitcher, Mm -hmm. Um, I have to be, you know, one of the best nine hitters on my team to hit out of all these girls who basically just play defense and hit. And so that's what they're good at. And then I also had to be the caliber of like one of the best pitchers in the nation if I'm going to Florida to pitch too. So there was a lot of work that had to be done in there. Um, I look back at it now and when I'm giving lessons and people are like, well, it's volleyball season, it's basketball season. That is something that I never skipped out on. I always pitched and I always hit no matter what, whatever sport I was playing, however many days a week I was playing. That is something that I always made time for, but it didn't 
feel like I had to. I just love to hit. Yeah. And I love to pitch and I love to play softball. It brought me so much joy and competing. I I will say now that I've, you know, stopped playing for the last couple years, three three or four years now, I do miss competing. Yeah. And that adrenaline rush of a strikeout or a home run or whatever, like those things I kind of miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting to coach, you kind of, you know, get to still have that same similar feelings, not the same, but very similar. Right. So that's been really fun. That's why you need to play volleyball. That's why you need to play volleyball. I want so you can so compete bad. again. Okay. Just had to throw that in there. Uh, I know. I want you so bad. I actually had a volleyball dream the other night, which was so weird. I think that was a sign. Yeah, it was. It was. I did. I had a volleyball dream. Like, I was playing volleyball two nights ago. I, I think it needs to happen. I think everybody listening thinks the same thing. <laughs> thumbs up if you think I should join the volleyball league. Drop a thumbs up in the comments. <laughs> so then after... I got done at Florida. I got drafted to play for the charge. That's where I met Burke. People still call you Burke because now you're not Burkhart. I was going to say, I don't think anybody on this interview has heard that name. That was like my softball name. You know, like, you well, have, that's right. People called me Hager. Like, just random people have called you Hager? No, like in the league. And no one ever called me that my whole life. Oh, so anytime you were like, it's like, yeah. Higgs, whatever, that never happened in college. I was Lauren. And so, <laughs> you know, it's like people that I played with or whatever in the pro league, if they call me Hager, like, cause that does not, yeah. not in my real life. Ever. Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, I think funny. I called you Higgs a lot. I don't know why. Higgs. Yeah. But yeah, Burke was like only my softball identity. Burke. People call you, they actually call you Ashley. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people now yeah. do, but like, yeah. so my former pitcher at Purdue, she still calls me Burke. And it, now it, like, I get thrown, like, a weird loop because I haven't heard that since I played. In so long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I love that you still call me Burke. Like, don't change that. I, but that's how I met you. You were Burke. So, I know. I know. Um, I played Charge from 2015, 2017. Yeah. Uh, that's what I wrote down. Yeah. That's what I... I'm just trying to get these years right, you know? Oh. Uh, when they just keep getting further and further away, it's harder to keep track. Yeah. Um, we started as the Dallas Charge. So we were in Dallas for the first two summers. Mm-hmm. And then we switched to the Texas Charge. And we were based out of our home field was in San Marcos at Texas State. We lived in New Braunfels. Um, so, you know, right in the San Antonio area, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, is where we were from. And then I played one summer with Scrapyard. And from there, I just kind of stopped. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily my decision that it stopped. Um, So that was kind of weird. But, yeah, it was definitely, it was time. My back was really hurt, and I just, I was tired of being in pain, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Like, dealing with injuries hard. So, and then I just went on to do lessons full time, and I landed in Charlotte, which I love this city. I've been here for three years now. Um... I love it here. The weather's great. The people are great. It's big but small. There's a major airport. Yeah. It's got a Bojangles in it. It's great. Really import- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we have those on every floor. I know. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's why I'm in Charlotte. I started coaching travel ball. When I started coaching travel ball, people were like, what are you doing? And there's no way I could have coached travel ball unless it was for the group that I'm coaching now. Yeah. Um, Kevin Hind is our head coach. 
Um, I have become extremely close to their family. He is like a mentor, a dad, a friend in so many things to me. And then his wife, Donna has totally become my North Carolina mom. Mm -hmm. We hang out, but best friend. Um, and then their daughter, Anna, I'm just extremely close to their family and I could not be coaching travel ball without them. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Kevin's very behind the scenes, but I'm shouting him out because he deserves it. (laughs) You better like send him a message once this is out. Like, listen to this. I know. Oh, that's so cool. He likes to text in gifs or gifs. What do you call them? I say gif and then I get made fun of by my husband. Like, he thinks I'm an idiot. He's like, gif is peanut butter. Your (laughs) husband. I know. I need to just keep saying it. It doesn't flow. It doesn't flow very good. But now that. It does. I mean, it does. I'm just not used to saying it yet. But yes. Yeah. Anyway, that's the short story. I love your story. I want to, I want to like backpack into some things from your story though. Okay. I will say when we were teammates for the Dallas charge, like let's just dive into it. We were not treated well. Like we weren't treated like professional athletes. Like we were literally changing in the same bathroom that these young girls who look up to us are like using. And like, that was our locker room. Yeah. I will never forget quick story i mean that was off of like that was three days after the biggest part of my entire softball career where i was walking into stores and people were recognizing me because my highlights were playing on espn constantly for the whole month of june and july yeah and i would you know it was it was a lot and i'm stretching behind the dugout where anybody can walk because it was just like a fourplex of like a travel ball fourplex and I literally had people like coming up to me as my legs in the air, like taking a photo of me, touching me. And I'm like, this is too much. Like, yeah. how, how am I getting chased to the bathroom by like little girls and I'm having to change my shirt in front of them? Like, it's just, it was weird. Um, yeah. You know, we had to warm up on the other field. And so we would walk over and there was nowhere for us to walk without anybody that could, every, anybody could just walk up to you and touch my shoulder and good luck and it's about it's not about the fact that they were so nice it's not like i had a bad experience but it was just like personal bubble yeah like you're prepping for a big game like yeah no i feel that i don't know (laughs) yeah well i wanted to bring that up simply because you really stood up for us because like okay i'm not i'm gonna look at this from like my perspective i came from like middle of the pack big 10 school didn't even make a regional like throughout my four years and then there's lauren hager there's lauren hager who's who's literally like up for an sb about to leave for a couple days because she's up for two sbs um like big wig in our game and like obviously like i if i say something i'm probably gonna be benched so i'm like what is gonna happen here so lauren's like oh no i don't care i don't care we are we are bringing this up to the commissioner of the MPF. Like, this is an issue that needs to be addressed. And, like, literally a week later, I think we had, like, at least a tent <laughs> put up for us. Like, is that better? I don't know. I, I did. Mean, I was like... Yeah. I I think I did have, like, a private meet. I did have a private meeting with the commissioner. And I was like, we don't have anywhere to go. Like, mm-hmm. I have nowhere to... Re- how do I... How am I expected to play all these games in such a short amount of time if I have nowhere to recover? I have three herniated discs in my back. I don't have anything to help me heal. Uh, yeah. And when you do go from college to professional, it's a big wake-up call on, like, the things you get and how you're treated. It's different. 
I couldn't, I was getting ridiculed for wearing my cleats that I got from college because they weren't the right brand. Um, but I had not even been given any other cleats. So I was confused as to what I was supposed to wear, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it wasn't a great experience. Mm -hmm. Now the people, the, that I have met and the places I got to travel, like that is obviously priceless. There's no, but I don't know. It wasn't a great... I wanted to go to the charge because I wanted to be a part of something new. I wanted mm -hmm. to, you know, make the charge a competitive team in the league. And it just never really worked out that way. I remember the whole season going, and some people hadn't even received, like, any gloves or bats or cleats or anything yet yeah and yeah you know it was it was interesting I, I will say mm -hmm. yeah a lot of people are like was it like the best experience ever I mean honestly like you were saying like the people like teammates were great like I loved getting to know you I love getting to know like other people on our team like we just had so much fun because we we mm -hmm. we had to make it fun but yeah there were a lot of things that weren't right but you and I were talking before this about like athletes unlimited and how cool yeah. it is to be able to see some of our close friends and competitors and teammates like actually get to play in an environment that we wish we would have had absolutely yeah. I think it's such a cool idea and mm -hmm. it has completely changed everything about being a professional softball player. Yep. Um, it's fun. It's exciting. People want to watch it. You've been able to really get to know the players. And I think that's a huge part of why professional sports are successful is because you want to watch this player compete. Yeah. Um, that is from your favorite school or whatever. And them getting to mix and intertwine and constantly it's all changing. And there's just something exciting about it. And it's really fun to watch for me. It's really fun too because I feel like I've played with or against almost every single girl in that mm -hmm. league. Isn't it cool? And it's so fun to watch them, you know, do their thing and keep playing. Totally. Who's your favorite hitter right now in the league? I freaking love DJ Sanders. I, I didn't even know who right. she was. I'm obsessed. There's just something about yeah, it. I mean, oh, I mean, that changes. For, I don't know. It'd be hard to be like, I only like one. Because it's yeah. so fun to see them. They're and I great. love the point system. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It actually matters to, like, have good at-bats and score runs and mm -hmm. win innings. And, mm -hmm. like, it gives you an incentive to do those things that win the inning, guys. I just feel like that's a very overused <laughs> kind of sentence when you're, you know, coaching around. But, like, this is actually real. Like, yeah. you can win points if you win this inning. And so yeah. it's kind of fun. It is cool. Um, yeah. And they're all so good. It's so fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the pitching is where I'm a huge fan of because pitching to the same people that many times over and over and over again is so freaking hard. Yeah. It is so freak. I don't have enough tricks. <laughs> You've seen literally everything I, I have. Like, how do I still get you out even though you've seen me seven times already? Like, yes. <laughs> how that's does that, true. I don't know. That's so true. I think when you when you talked about how like people are traveling to go watch, I literally just saw these two athletes from California fly to Chicago just to watch cat pitch. So cool. Like I think that's amazing. Like we never really saw that. We played in that exact stadium. Um, and I think they always had a pretty good people. crowd in Chicago because the Bandits did a good yeah. job of promoting their team and getting to know the players. They had a nice stadium and they had a home like Yeah. And they, in Chicago, like, there's a lot of people around, you Yeah, know? and you have Jenny Finch, who played for them and is still, like, talking about them. And I just think that AU yeah. is really good at making softball relevant. 
And, you know, the amount of just the marketing is so cool. Like being able to rewatch Odyssey Alexander's like diving catch off that bunt from last night. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm -hmm. I was like, so cool. Like, I, I just, I feel like I'm there and I'm not. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. The, epic. Mar- the media and marketing has been great. And they're highlighting all the things that should be highlighted all the time and yeah. making a big deal out of things that are a big deal. <laughs> like the diving catches and the home runs, like they really do a good job of capturing those and putting them out there so people mm-hmm. see the, like, this is real yeah. and you should watch it. Yeah. And the players are having so much fun. Like, they come up with different themes of the week. Like, yeah. You and I literally are just, like, wishing we're... I would have loved for that. Oh, my God. That would have been so fun. Yeah. But Um, I I do like to think about it. Somebody mentioned this in an interview recently. It's like... But the thing is, like, you and I helped make that happen. For sure. Like, when you think about it, when you look back, it's like because you stood up for um, us in the NPF is pr- it's guaranteed the reason why the player experience is so good now because that was a big issue for us. So I, I do want to say like you were you were a big part of the fact that athletes unlimited is what it is and I don't think that should go unnoticed. Yeah and it's hard to look at it that way sometimes you get really like jealous totally but I ha- but I I sit there and I think about like, I mean, I did keep playing after college. I feel like I did do my softball player duty to keep playing after college because I was lucky enough to get an opportunity because there wasn't that many opportunities. But it's just cool to see where it's gone. And it was cool to watch it in the Olympics. I hate that it's not in the next one already. Like, that's Mm -hmm. so stupid. (laughs) Um, But it's just going to be, I think Athletes Unlimited is going to evolve and grow so much. Me too. Like, there's going to be way more than, was it 64 players they have? What is it, 60? I think it's something like that. Yeah, somewhere in the 60s. It's going to be way bigger. And there's going to be, I just, I feel like it is. It could be. So cool. Yeah. We, I love where it's headed. Yeah. So let's talk about you. And I know you hate talking about yourself, but I mean, you were the most outstanding player of the Women's College World Series in 2015. You literally hit 70 home runs and had 70 wins as a pitcher in the same, f- like, that's like unreal. That's Babe Ruth type numbers. Nobody else does that. Describe to me how you were able to be that good. And I know you talked about how you trained, you just loved pitching and hitting, and you always did it because you loved it. But like, there has to be more. Like, how, what type of mentality do you have? What what developed that player? I think that it's took taken a really long time to look back and see why, how, um, where this came from in me. I guess it's been really hard because I, I hear great players talk about, like, the work ethic and the stuff they put into it, and they just enjoy the grind. And, that, like, I, I didn't I enjoy the grind. It was hard. Like, I don't think that that was necessarily fun for me i couldn't relate to these great athletes talking about like i'm confident because of my preparation Mm -hmm. never once crossed my mind ever when i was in the box or playing like you know pitching um and that's just the reality of it it was hard for me to find you know books to read about it or because that's what it is you think about like Michael Jordan not that I'm comparing myself to Michael Jordan but you you hear about like his process and I'm like well that doesn't that's I don't relate to that or I don't relate to so and so and it was hard to figure out why I think I enjoyed it I enjoyed playing and I enjoyed the people that I was around so I think that was a big part of it Mm -hmm. but 
looking back to see why I feel like I was good at both and why that that's not really normal. <laughs> it was always normal to me because that's just what I did. <laughs> um, I almost treated myself as two different people. Mm. I think that was a big part of it. People say you have to separate all these things, but like, how do you do that? You have to be two different people. I worked like two different people. There was hitter Lauren and there was pitcher Lauren. And I had to work like a hitter, like everybody else. Like I couldn't let them intertwine at all because then they would just become average instead of being like two separate great things. Wow. I've never thought about it like that. That's awesome. Totally. (laughs) I had to be coached differently. Yeah. Um, I think that's why sometimes I was hard to coach because I mean, a, because I'm stubborn B because I'm just the way that I am sometimes, you know what you need and you know what you want and you know how you want to be coached. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes I was wrong and it was hard for me to admit that (laughs) (laughs) because that's the stubborn part of me, but that it's not a bad thing. I think that's why a part of why I was successful is because of who I am. Um, I think my vulnerability played a huge part of it. I wasn't scared to like suck in a big situation because I was vulnerable. I think it's the strongest thing about me. It's always been the strongest thing about me. I'm not scared to show who I am or show what I'm bad at or good at, or I've never been scared of that ever. And I think that played a huge part of it. It takes up being really vulnerable to stand in the box in the women's college world series in a huge situation and not be scared of sucking. Mm -hmm. But that's, I don't know. I think that played a huge part of it. I don't know. It's been interesting. I wish I could talk to, you know, all my coaches, past coaches about this, past teammates about this, about how it was coaching me and what their strategy was going into it and how to deal with me as a teammate. Um, Because I don't, I've never sat there and no one's ever said like, yeah, she was the best teammate ever. Not that I was a bad teammate, but I was just so competitive. Yeah. And I was a lot. And when I did bad, I just wanted to vent about it. I, I don't know. It's been interesting to reflect back on all of it and see maybe why I was good at both of those things. But I'm going to go with my vulnerability is the number one reason why. Yeah. So take me to like, you don't play in the Women's College World Series without, you know, a strikeout. And I think a lot of girls, especially I work with, and I'm sure you've found these girls too, it's like they strike out and they, they take it so personally and it's hard to like jump back from that. But you're literally, you talked about vulnerability. You, sh- you probably struck out at the Women's College World Series against great pitchers because that's yes. <laughs> life. How do you separate yourself from that strikeout and just be able to move on and, and help yourself you know, make the clutch hits, which you did later? I think early on, I just accepted the fact that that's going to happen. If you accept, like, it is it is what it is. Like, I'm very much, that's how I live my life, I think, too. Like, it is what it is. We move on. We deal with it. We move on. That's just how I am in my normal life. That's how I am in my relationships and my friendships and work and whatever. It was always just like, it is what it is. And we move on and we try to make it better. And I've just never been someone that super dwells on anything in my life I'm lucky because that's just not the reality for a lot of people that was really Mm -hmm. easy for me to move on of everything and it helped me in softball so much but understanding that like A that's why you have a team like you're not going to be the only one if you're the only person that is hot at the Women's College World Series you will not win Yeah, you can't do it alone and so knowing that you can't do it alone and knowing that 
you have others to fall back on that helps too like it also helped me that I was a pitcher too so mm-hmm. I felt like okay like I'm obviously not getting it done offensively but I have a way to contribute another way yeah that was really nice for me to have too that's um, epic but I see it in my athletes too they think that they struck out the first time so their game is over yeah they don't have three more at-bats so they don't like think uh-huh. they, I have three more at-bats what can I do what did I learn from this it's not gonna happen again I wish there was some more of that too but you're so right so did a coach or your dad, cause I know he coached you for a little while. Like, did they help instill that failure recovery method of just move on? Like, is there somebody that comes to mind when it comes to how you develop that? Or do you just not know where it came from? I think my parents played a big role in that of how they reacted when I did well. And when I didn't do well, I had great parents in that regard. Like it was never any of my, none of my worth came from whether I was good at softball or not um, in their eyes there's only two reasons why my parents ever got mad at me is if I was, if I acted like a jerk or if I was lazy, those two things are things that I can control. But if I went over four and gave up six runs, my dad always kind of waited to hear if I wanted to talk about it in that moment, Hey, do you want to get dinner? Let's go get dinner. And then we kind of talked about it. Yeah. But there was, because he knew that I, why would I be doing this if I wasn't trying? Like if I, yeah, he knew it was hard enough. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was lucky. Not every parent is like that. I think now that I'm getting older and when I, you know, I don't have kids one day, those kinds of things, you invest so much. And I get that now. Like you invest so much time, money, traveling, whatever to get really caught up in that as like a parent or as a, you know, all the things that they've done. I'm spending all this money on lessons every week and she didn't perform this weekend. There's, there must be something wrong. It's, yeah. it's funny you say her that. Bat. It's, I need to do bat. Yeah, it's her Sorry. bat. It's all these XYZs. But, okay, so I had an athlete, and I want to share this with you because you'd appreciate this. She texted me yesterday and said, I'm sucking right now. Like, first of all, it's fall, and we just finished the most important part of the summer, like, which was right. the World Series. You probably it's took fall. a couple weeks off. <laughs> she just started school three days ago. She right. is in the midst of volleyball season, like, going through so many things, and she's like, my hitting wasn't there this weekend. And I'm like... Can you just look around and think about all of these new things that have happened to you this week? You're exhausted. She goes to bed at midnight and she has to go to school the next day. Like you're tired. Mm -hmm. Like just understand, like be where your feet are. Understand that so many different things are the reason why maybe your bat's not here this week. But this isn't the most important week of softball. The most important week is like a year from now, like in the summer, you know? Everybody has like... And then they look at you like you never had a weekend like that. I think they forget that you're a human being and you were a, you know, 15, 16 year old girl at one point. I think people assume that a lot about me. They just think I never did bad or I never sucked. So not the case. Mm -hmm. Like, but they don't, they think that they, to be successful, they can't have those types of weekends when actually like you need those weekends to like learn and be in so that when it happens again, it can be a shorter turnaround because yeah. you learned about it this time. Yeah. And it just keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter the whole rest of your life. Yeah. So give, give us a weekend where you did suck. I think that people need to know that. Like, because yeah. my, some of my favorite stories to share are when I sucked. And I have a fun one that I'm going to share in a little bit. But, like, what was one that, like, really stood out to you as, like, this was awful. And, and here's oh. what I did next. <laughs> yeah. There's one that comes to mind when I was a freshman, we were playing at Georgia and I always tell people I struck out 12 times in a row, but it was probably more like eight. 
but it just seemed like a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Walton could probably tell you because he remembers everything. I literally could not touch. I struck out eight times in a row, and I was like, uh, "This is—I don't know what to do." Because that's, that's honestly never happened. That's not normal. Eight <laughs> times in a row is not normal to anybody at any level, right? And I was still batting third, and I was like, "It was it almost became." funny it was taryn arvalo mm-hmm. i don't ever know how arvalo, to say her last yeah, name yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but she didn't throw as hard but her ball just moved so crazy her curveball was so good and i could not i could not tell what was a ball what was a strike if i swung i could not touch it at all and i would laugh i was laughing towards the end because i was like this is unreal like i didn't even know what to do and something that coach Wallen told me that it kind of stuck out he's like whether you strike out a hundred times in a row, like you're the one we want there. So either you can figure it out because we're going to keep you there. And it was kind of like, it was cool because it helped me really think about it and not kind of dwell on it. I was like, Oh shoot. Like I should really get it together here because I'm the one that needs to be here. And I'm the one that, you know, it was just cool. It was cool to understand that he trusted me so much you know, when you're a freshman thinking that I have to be perfect, mm-hmm. um, they recruited you for a reason. And he's like, at any moment you could have hit home run. Why would I not want that there? You know? Right. And we deal with it if you don't. So that's cool. I'll never forget that. I could not, I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. <laughs> so did you just try to find like one little win at that point? Like let's touch her. Like what were you, what was your oh, thought process? I remember in my brain, like celebrating that I hit a foul ball. Like, that's how bad it was. But I was like, let's go. And I think I eventually maybe got a hit. I cannot remember exactly. That was 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, I think. And then the next weekend, I I think I did great. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I hit home runs and whatever. So it just, your turnaround so short. Yeah. You always have another game to play. Um, So you might as well just, like, get over it and try again. Yeah. I think one of my favorite outlooks, especially just with hitting, because I – that's my baby. I love it. Is like just knowing that there's going to be a day where you get a hit and like, you don't have really, sometimes you don't have control of like when that's going to be, but just knowing like, no, there's a hit in me somewhere. Just keep going. Somewhere. Just like, like somewhere. in basketball, my dad would always just be like, just keep shooting, you know, just keep swinging, just keep shooting. Like yeah. that's literally, and I had, I kind of had to just like repeat that. Like, okay, a hit's coming. I don't know when. And it's hard. It's hard to do. You know, it's hard. Yeah. It's easier to say. But in the moment, I think you do have to be optimistic in those moments. Like, it's so funny that like the one that sticks out to you is Georgia, because my story, I think of Georgia. Georgia? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But do you remember that big jumbotron that they put up with all everybody's stats next to their name? Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think it was maybe my junior year we're playing there or sophomore or something. No, it might have been my senior year. I don't even know. Ten years ago, like a long time ago, um, I was hitting like literally above 400, and I didn't know it at the time. Like I had no idea, and and it popped up. It, it's up there, and I was like, "Yeah, wow," you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then like first at bat, I'm up there, and like I put a really good ball, like bat on the ball, and I think I hit like a line drive, and then I look up, and like my stats go down, and I was like, "Oh no," <laughs> and literally. And the whole weekend, I'm just paranoid about my stats. And I've never, I never think, I was never one that wanted to know my stats. 
Um, I literally had like this 16 game hitting streak going on and my SID told me that. And then the next game I didn't get it just cause like it, yeah. I get in my head when I see this stuff. And it was like the worst weekend of my life at Georgia because I was just like, God. and then after the weekend I was like just under 400 because of just how much I was beating myself up about like my stats. You're and playing I, at Georgia too. Like these team, this team is good. I like know. it's not like you're. I that's know. what your stats are supposed to do. They're going to go down when you play, you know, competition yeah. like that. Yeah. It's just so such a part of it. I'll never forget either, too. Like, I've only been swept one time when I played at Florida, and it was against Tennessee, and it was my junior year, and the pitching staff sucked. I have never seen Rocha break a clipboard in the whole four years that I was there except this weekend mm-hmm. because we could not throw a ball that didn't leave the yard. We gave up like seven home runs in the series, like something crazy. Hannah was giving up home runs. I was giving up home runs. Our third string pitcher was giving up home runs. Like we couldn't keep the ball in the yard mm-hmm. and we ended up winning a national championship that year. So it's just so weird how, if we would have, you know, kind of let that weekend define us and that's an sec. So it's not like it's the beginning of the season, how things can change and how you can really learn from those situations and still be the best team in the nation at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, you would have never thought we got split by Tennessee playing totally. an championship that year. No one thinks about that. No one cares to look at that. Because it didn't matter in the end. No. At matter. all. Yeah. I think we put so much on, on one individual weekend or game. And, like, you, some people think, oh, after that weekend, it's like, oh, well, we can never win a national championship. But, like, if anything, that weekend probably taught you more than any other weekend of the year. We had a totally come-to-Jesus moment. <laughs> with our pitching staff and coach Bowen and coach Rocha that it was the best thing that could have ever happened to us. Probably like we took a full, a new direction on our strategy, what was important to us um, going off of our strengths and understanding our strengths. Like it was a, a weekend of like, Oh, like we really learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really, th- it's honestly, I'm so thankful for it because yeah. at this point, who cares? Like, I don't even think about that. Right. I have a national championship ring that year. Like that's, I don't think about the time we got swept. I don't right. Know. But I, I am grateful that you shared it though, because we all have those needed come to Jesus moments because of just how bad it, it gets. Mm-hmm. I think if you would ask any national championship team, why are you here? Why did you win? I think everybody instinctively will probably think of like one really tough moment that as a team you got through together really allowed you to be able to be standing on the pedestal at the end of the season because like you went through more, you know, like you were shot in the foot more, but you kept getting up. (laughs) Like, right. No one thinks like, Oh, this year was so great. It wasn't hard. It was easy. We won. Like there is not a single team that's ever said that like every team faces adversity and it's who can come through it learn from it the fastest is always just going to be the one that's on top 100 percent. yeah totally hey all swooping in here real quick to tell you something i am super passionate about it's an always grind hitters notebook so always grind 365 is a company that i've partnered with and because of the partnership, any of their products, you can use my code Ashley B at checkout to get 10% off. But I want to tell you about this hitters notebook that I have. So I've given this out to every single in-person lesson that I've worked with and every single member of my Smash Tribe. Also, if you want to join Smash Tribe or see what that's all about, head to www.ashleybtraining.com. 
But if not, and you just want your hands on this epic notebook, I wanna tell you why it's going to change the game for your athlete. So at the very top, you write the date, and I think that's one of the most important things that an athlete can write down, especially if she's journaling about her experiences as a hitter, because she'll be able to see her notes from a year from now and say, wow, I've made tremendous progress. And from the beginning of this notebook to the end, your athlete's gonna be able to be like, whoa, look at all this stuff we worked on. Look at all this stuff I've learned. Look how much better I've gotten. And that's the whole goal and purpose of tracking your progress. So this notebook does a great job of that. And it starts with the date at the very top. Then it goes into your focus of the day, which I believe is so important as a hitter, because if you're just going into KGMPP sessions, just hitting, there's no intention behind it. There's no focus. So if you need to get better at the inside pitch, that's going to be your focus of the day. And then from there, you write down drills, any video analysis that you've done. And my personal favorite is on the backside, you're writing down what you did well that day, what you need to improve, and any notes from the day. So light bulb moments that went on, any great uh, tips that you've gotten from your hitting coach or wherever you were, that's the section where you do that. So this notebook can be found at www.alwaysgrind.com. And if you want 10% off this notebook, write Ashley B at checkout and you'll be able to get 10% off and your athlete's going to be able to take more ownership of her game. So get your hands on this. She is going to be able to see and track her progress when you use it. It is going to help your athlete become the very best hitter she possibly can. So lastly, alwaysgrind365.com is where you'll go to see that. I'll make sure it's in the show notes and use my code Ashley B for a 10% discount. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. Okay. So you're a coach now and you talked about coach Walton and you always talked about him when we were together, when we played and I'm just very intrigued. And I know a lot of coaches are listening to this. Like what are huge takeaways that coach Walton gave you now as a coach, like what are you taking away that he did really well for you or the team that, that stood out to you at Florida? There are so many details of this game that I did not know existed. Yeah. And trying to be seven steps ahead, I think has always been something that I never thought of. I was like in the moment here for a good time, not a long time. Like, we're just, But now as a coach being able to, try to think about things before they happen or where's the next play going to be. Or if that ball is right here, what's our best shot of getting this girl out? Who has the best arm in this situation? Who can we get? Like, I never thought that way until I played for coach Walton. He's so detailed. He takes defense so seriously, which I was a pitcher and a first baseman. So I never really thought I had a big hand in defense, but I understood that there's a huge advantage when your pitcher can field. And mm-hmm. I am, there's a huge advantage when you have a great first baseman and it's not just like the pitcher that's not pitching, let's just put her over there. You know, like there's value in those positions defensively. And he has a way of not changing you that I loved. Like he was never a hitting coach that was like, this is how we hit here. So I know we recruited you, but you're going to learn our style. It was like, what are your strengths? I want to make them better. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make your weaknesses better. I want to make your strengths better. Mm. Now, when you make your strengths better, your weaknesses, you know, get better. But he very much capitalized off of what you're good at and what the team needed in the moment. I think that was so cool. And Rocha was the same way. And I really try to coach like that and not try to make everybody who they're not because 
that's why softball is so cool is there's so many people can be good at so many different things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um we had uh, JT Gasso, the Oklahoma hitting coach on. He was my hitting coach in college, which is why I was so excited to have that's this conversation. That's super cool. Uh-huh. He's awesome. I actually yeah. got to know him this past I worked at Pro Swings camp and he was there and he was really awesome. Okay, well, he takes the same strategy as coach Walton on in that regard. Yeah. Like he goes when we get players that come here, he goes, my job isn't to change them. My job isn't to be like, here's what you're doing wrong. My job is to be here for when you want to, you want work on something. Like if somebody's struggling with the change up, like, yeah, he might be like, so, you know, how's the change up going? <laughs> They'll be like, yeah, it sucks. Help me. Like I, but he's literally just kind of like that board that you can go like talk to and also get, you know, advice from, but he's not trying to change these hitters. He's not trying to make them something that they're not because the reason why they are who they are is because they know themselves and yeah, they'll, they'll go through some tweaks throughout their college career to help them, you know, become smarter hitters and things like that. But like, JT never wants to change a hitter swing. And I'm, I'm immediately thinking of like Amanda Lorenz at Florida. Yeah. Simply because not the ex- not the functional swing that you normally see, right? Like, it's not the same swing that you would notice, you know. I don't know. It doesn't stand out. Right. But she gets the job done. Like, and she's a great hitter. Like, she just had an There's amazing so weekend. There's so much value in that. Like, I know. I'm like, holy. your swing doesn't have to look perfect. And too many people are after the perfect swing when it's not about having a perfect swing. It's about... What do Knowing, you do when you're fooled? Can you still get a hit when you are fooled? What yes. is plan B and can you do it? It's not, everything doesn't just work perfectly every single time. That's the reason why pitchers are good. But yeah. she was competitive. She had a, like, obviously she was talented with great hand-eye coordination uh-huh. because she could still, even if she was fooled or the ball was four balls off the plate, she was still able to get a hit. Her like, barrel found the ball and she right. was like, strong at contact. Like, I remember hitting this like line drive, like stupid line drive over the third baseman's head, and I'm just like, "Hang on, how? How did that how, just happen?" Three balls off the plate. And like you're right. looking at her contact point, and you're like, "That's ugly," but like she got a hit. Like so, why? Right. Why are we trying? And honestly, I think what fired me up about this was so many people looked at my swing and they go, "Wow, your swing is perfect. It's beautiful." Like, and I'm like, "Okay, thanks," but like, so like that's it's yeah. not. Like, yeah, I worked on my swing, like, my whole life. Like, I loved trying to, like, get just a little bit better at it and, like, work. But I didn't work to make it pretty. Yeah. Right. I didn't work to make it pretty. I worked to get hits. I worked to, I don't know, just become a better version of myself. But, like, I don't care. And I know know my logo is my swing. But what I was going to say off that, too, is luckily, I will say, Oklahoma's in a position where they don't have to mechanically change hitters very much. Facts. Right. I was just going to say, like, you know, some of these coaches who are going to be watching are not able to coach athletes that are Oklahoma, Florida, whatever. And I've learned that too of like, there are some, there, it's going to be, you might have to mechanically help some hitters out, but like, they're going to be, there's a way to coach athletes to where, they're still empowered by wanting yes. to work on something. And I think yes. a good coach can help bring that out of them yes. and be like, Hey, yeah, you know how you struggle with the inside pitch. Your hands are getting a little away from yourself. Like let's work on maybe keeping them tighter so you can, so you can rock that pitch. Right. Like there's a different way to approach it. 
Yes. And to all obviously understand that like when we're making changes, it's not to take away from what you're good at. Yeah. Like you are good at this for sure. I think you could be better. I think we could make this better if you want to. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I think. And also just not making them. This is what I say. And this is how we're going to do it is always. This is the way. This is the only way. Like this is the way. Isn't that from like the Mandalorian? Probably. Do you watch the Mandalorian? <laughs> I, I have watched a little bit of the Mandalorian, but I am like a, such a original Star Wars fan that like, yeah. Yeah. I just always watch those. I feel that. And I totally just geeked yeah. out talking That's about okay. Star Wars. It's fine. Well, everybody knows now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So speaking of great coaching, what else did Tim Walton teach you that you're bringing to travel ball? I kind of want to dive into a little, a little more of the travel ball world. I mean, just kind of talking about what I said before, like the details um, of all of it, communication and honesty is something that he taught me a lot of. Um, I'm really thankful for him. He taught me how to tell the truth and that the truth is always better. He taught me how to be more organized. He just taught me so many details of the sport I didn't know existed. And it was so creative how he would... um, you know, coach those things and teach us those things with either like a visual example of like putting flags in the ground or like if the ball is here, this is where it needs to go. If the ball is here, it's yours. But if it's two steps this way, it's someone else's. Like he was just so to a T of that. Now, when you're coaching young kids, they might not understand all that, but there's a way to teach them, you know, details of like, this might happen Mm-hmm. Um, being ready for the next play, just educating them in that way. Because I, I don't know it, when I watch going to travel ball and stuff and not that I freaking know everything. That's not what I'm saying, but there are a lot of missed opportunities, um, for teaching moments because everyone's so caught up in winning and losing. Yeah. And that is not the most important thing in travel ball ever. Now, if you do the details and you get those things done, you'll probably win. But sometimes you won't. It's okay, too. Yeah. What in travel ball right now, like, irks you to the core? How it can be so about the coach and where they've gotten their players to go. Mm. um, And then marketing themselves as something to get them, you know, girls to be on their team of, like, well, I know this person. And I've gotten this many D1 recruits to these many places. And, like, it's so that way it's so like it's my way or there's no way a lot of the times and having coaches straight up embarrass players in the middle of games when there are college coaches present and letting their emotions get so ahead of them that they don't understand that in the moment you probably shouldn't do that it makes me sad Mm -hmm. it irks me so much that it's so not about the player sometimes and it's so about themselves it drives me up the wall you probably see that every weekend you're out there Every weekend. Oh my God. Every single weekend. It is. I, we were playing a team in PGF and this girl, you know, we have, you know, some big time programs behind our, behind our backstop. Mm-hmm. And this catcher just like missed the ball. She just, she judged, she judged the pop fly wrong. It was a big deal. Yeah. She probably should have caught it, but the coach literally yelled out in the middle of the game. And that's why you won't get recruited. <gasps> no. Screamed it. College coaches present. And she's crying. What are you doing? Like, I would inter- I would like, start crying <laughs> if I was right. Playing. Like, what are you doing? You're scarring like, her. What is that gonna help her in any way, shape, or form in the situation? You could teach her in that moment. 
you can say that was really important. This is what I think you should have done better on. Yeah. Go get a hit now. Like, oh my God. Like, oh. Yeah. I think a lot of coaches play with too much emotion or they coach with too much emotion. Like, and he's probably the same guy who, when a player makes like this incredible play, is loud and excited. And like, but I think getting caught up in emotions and like, it's, it's not going to work. Like, I think some of the best advice I've ever heard from, like, a high-level coach in college was, like, if I am too high in my emotions, we won't have our meeting right away. We won't have our team meeting right away because I know I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret and I'm going to mm-hmm. hurt somebody that I don't want to hurt, but – and it's just going to come out wrong. And I think mm-hmm. that just the silence is sometimes more important to let the players, because they're already beating themselves up, don't outdo it. No one did it on purpose. Like, Right. Yeah. Like, nerves right. got the best of her that time, and I guarantee you, if that exact same thing happens again, she's not going to miss it. Because if you're coaching no. a gamer, if you're teaching your athletes how to be competitive and be gamers, that won't happen. Because right. she's already learned from that mistake. Right. And she won't or learn. if she truly did something and she didn't know how. Right. And you decided to jump down her throat because she missed it and not because, like, hey, do you actually know what you're supposed to do in that situation? If not, let me help you. Yeah. Because they're literally 16. I didn't know anything at 16. You don't know anything at 16. Yeah. You have so much to learn. Now, she, as a 16-year-old, I thought I knew everything. But you just, <laughs> you don't. And there's so many parts of the game that you can learn in and we just don't put enough emphasis on teaching through those moments. I think, mm-hmm. well, I guess I just don't see that ever. I don't know. It's the embarrassment on the field for me that I cannot, I can't believe still like happens and people are okay with that. Right. Or my parents are okay with that. Right. And and if you're doing that, you're scaring them into a way to where they're fear-based. And if it happens again, that's when they're going to suck. Like they're, they're literally in it's their a- head saying, don't let it happen again. Like don't screw up, don't screw up. And then you screw up just another point on that it's very manipulative behavior and so if a parent doesn't know anything and they don't know any better they're going to use that against them and say well i'm the only one that's going to get your daughter recruited so i can treat her however i want Mm -hmm. and they don't know any better so they won't do anything about it Mm -hmm. and the girl doesn't know any better and i just oh it just makes me so sad anyway how are parents in travel ball (sighs) i'm lucky that i coach a really great group of parents but there are tons of they forget that their kids are kids and that they are adults and they are the adult in the situation. And it's very much, well, I pay you. So I deserve to have a hand in things or I deserve, you know, my daughter should be playing. There's always a playing time thing. There's always, I'm very lucky, but the parents can be just as toxic when they just don't let their coaches coach Mm -hmm. or they can't accept that their kid might not be as good as another or, that their kid actually has to work and compete for a position. I Mm -hmm. think that that, you know, it's weird when you're younger, the team, like the numbers are usually like 11, like 11 girls on a team, 10 girls on a team. As they get older, I think that parents have a hard time of understanding when they hit like that 14 U mark and you're playing four day tournaments that you need more kids on your roster. Right. To make sure that your kids are always able to perform and I think that's a hard transition for them. Yeah. Um, what do your parents do that you wish more parents did? Like, because they're doing such a great job of. 
I think that they are incredibly classy in the way that they talk to umpires. And well, they don't, they don't, we have like a pretty serious, no tolerance policy of like, I won't talk to you about playing time. The kid needs to come up and talk about playing time. If something is, you know, um, our parents have never yelled or talked to another team or umpire. They pretty much just sit there and cheer on their kids and they cheer on their team. And I think that that they let us handle game situation and they're pretty hands off in that regard. And I think that that just makes everything run so much smoother Mm -hmm. because Kevin's super honest. Yeah. I find myself being super honest and that gives you the opportunity that if you don't want to be here anymore, that's okay. But if you're never honest with a parent, I could see their frustration. If you say you roll out the red carpet, come to our team, she's going to start and then you don't, I'd be mad too. But if you kind of just tell them how it is at the beginning and gives them the ability to make a decision on whether they want to stay or leave or whether they think this is a good fit. um, So that when they, if they do decide to join, they can be hands off. Yeah. I love the playing time and how the the athlete should come up to the Mm -hmm. coach because I mean, that's what it is in college. That's what it was for me in pro. Like, I think it adds this, I wanted to say leadership, but I think it's just more ownership of mm-hmm. a conversation. It's very hard to have. Like if you're, if that's your policy, I guarantee you some athletes that have come up to you are scared ishless to have that conversation, but it's, it's important for them to have those conversations now because they're owning it. And yes, I guarantee you, my dad would have prepped me for that conversation. He would have been like, all right, here's how you should approach this. That's what a parent should be. Right. I love my dad. I can't, I just, he needs to be on the podcast. You always have always said so many great things about your dad. And your dad too. Like, I think we were just, I don't want to say trained because like they weren't training us. They were just teaching us. (laughs) Guiding, teaching. Yeah. How how to have tough conversations and playing time's one of them. And if you're always, you know, talking to the coach about playing time, your athlete has no say in it. And if your coach says, Hey, so-and-so is better than you right now, but I can see you developing. And if you are better than her, you will be in the lineup. And if you're honest with your athlete, then yes, it's going to be hard to hear. Like if somebody says you just need to be better offensively, that's hard to hear, but it's the truth. And if it's hard to hear, but it's also something that you know and you're empowered by your coach in knowing that like you could get better at this, here's how I can help you get better at this. It's like everybody wins because now you're right. going to be working on your offense and now it challenges the rest of the team to pick it up and then all of a sudden you're winning championships and it's just because you're honest and you give your athletes ownership of their skills. I think it's really important too to follow through with what you tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, because it took a lot for that kid to come and talk to you and approaching it with a kind way. I think I've heard, you know, kids approach and ask and then their coaches be so awful or like rude or like and then it's, it's an important ego to follow thing. through mm-hmm. with what you tell them. Yeah. So like if I say I need to see you at, you know, these other optional practices or I need to, and then you will get more opportunities. If I never follow through with that, they're never going to ask again. I think that's parenting too, but Mm -hmm. um, it's important in coaching to follow through with, with what you say, because your job is to get your players to trust you and what you're doing. And if you don't follow through that trust gets really small. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think when it comes to travel ball there, we could talk for hours about this. To be honest, because I can't tell you how many times I hear from parents or coaches like travel ball is so bad, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, the team or the coach that's honest and like has shown it, like 
he may not be, he or she may not be perfect in every other realm, but at least you're getting an honest person. At least you're getting the person that like, when they say something, they do it. Like, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of politics in travel ball. Um, (laughs) I mean, even in high high school's worse, in my opinion, with politics. I I only say that because I went through it, I guess, but also, I don't know. There's just so much wrong about travel ball and like sadly I think the teams with the honest coaching staff and the one that it's they make it all about the players like those teams are rare they are so hard to come by I know it's so hard to well especially being a an ex like college player professional athlete that you know I've ranted about this on my Twitter like no wonder I can totally see why girls who played in college don't want to coach travel ball yes like it's so bad having to feel like to explain yourself to someone who's never played and not to take away that their coaching experience, but like, this is something I I'm confident in and I confidently know the answer. And I feel like I can make someone better at, but Oh, you don't know. You're young. Mm-hmm. You haven't been doing this as long as I have. Like, I don't know. It's hard to keep your voice in a place where it's, a lot of men, which is nothing wrong with that. Like I had a lot of great men, male coaches in my life. Me too. But the daddy ball and the, well, because I'm older and done this longer. I don't know. I could, I just know I get totally why girls don't want to do it. Yeah. I a hundred percent get it. Oh, and that, not every girl. Yes. It's so bad. It's so sad. I know. And then they're like, why can't we find a good coach? You know, a good female coach. And I'm like, cause you run every single one off. True. And their 8U experience, their volunteer 8U first experience was god-awful, and they don't want to do it anymore. I, I don't blame them. That's so sad. It can be rough. Yeah, that's so yeah. sad. It's like you got to find the balance of, like, fun, competitiveness, sucking sometimes. Like, I mean, the, right. like, when you mentioned daddy ball, it just makes me think of. And, again, my dad is my coach for almost my whole life. Right. But he treated it as if, like, if you – AKA also you, my daughter are not performing or are not, um, better than somebody else in this position. You will not play that position. Like he understands winning, but he also understands, um, that it's, it's hard. Coaching is so hard coaching a bunch of different athletes with a bunch of different personalities and trying to create a culture that is a winning culture, but also something where these kids are coming out of it better humans. Is it's hard to do, but it's also not about pleasing parents. It's not about pleasing the kids. Like, no. Like, you got to show, you got to, it's, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but travel ball stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And Kevin has, you know, Anna plays, his daughter plays on our team. But if you watched a game, you would absolutely never know that they were related. And I yeah. have so much respect for him for that. Mm-hmm. Like, they make, she calls him Coach Kevin it is such a player coach relationship out there. And so it's, it's just so nice to see like Anna moves up and down the lineup all the time. What was she doing? Good? You know what I mean? Like that's just, but that's how everybody is. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I just envy Kevin and Anna's relationship a lot there. If you watched the only reason why you would know is because they have the same last name. Yeah. Other than that, you have no idea. So other than that relationship, and like how great he does of separating dad and coach. What else do you see with the coaching staff that you coach under? Because you said he wouldn't even be coaching in travel ball without having him as as a mentor of yours. What else is attractive that 
they do a little bit differently than everybody else, which is the reason why you're coaching travel. Being a good person, telling the truth and our morals and values, a hundred percent with him always come first before winning or losing. Um, it's always been that way. He's very, he's the nicest, kindest man I think I've ever met too. Like there's not like a mean bone in his whole body. Um, which is so not me. I yeah. just, he, he is just such a good human being. He is so generous and tries to run our, our team. Like it would be at the next level, yeah. with, you know, and he's generous with those things and with the contributions he makes to the players and making sure they have dinner, team dinners to make sure they have, you know, um, team bonding time and, he doesn't have to do those things, but he is so willing to go out of his way to be generous and to make things right. Then a, to take the easy way B to just make it easier for him or I don't know. They just do things the right way. And his morals and values always come first. That is so important to me. And it makes me enjoy this process. Yeah. So how do you get your players to play at the level of your team? You have a, you coach a great team. Like you have players going on to play in college and pursuing their own dreams. How do you get players to play at the highest level, but also not have a mean bone in your body as your head coach has? Like, how does that still happen? Like at practices or things like that? I think that there, it just goes a long way of like respect. The respect that they have for Kevin is like huge. I mean, not that we're picky, but we have a culture and Mm -hmm. we don't, we are very, true to our of this we don't feel like this player can is going to fit in with fit in with um she just brought it to me fit in with our culture it's will pass just because that is so important to us yeah um and when you have like-minded people around you it's really easy to like play at the highest level right when it's enjoyable for everybody i think that's been a huge part of it it winning's not the biggest thing now they need to win they need to learn how to compete which is something that i think they struggled with this past summer mm-hmm. um they went to pgf nationals for the first time um they're from north carolina like playing in southern california is very very different yeah. now we played freaking two east coast teams when we were there but it's still i think they saw a whole different side of you know travel ball and what it could be but we also played a really hard schedule mm-hmm. and it's the first time we played the schedule that we did so, oh my god. I love the squeaky toy in I, the background. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. It's, you're good. Of course. We the one you brought me. I know. Arnie Arnie does the same thing. But I really love that and I love that they were introduced to a different side of softball that they've never seen and they probably got a little kick in the pants like, "Oh man, like we thought we were good. Here's the next level." But that's so neat to know that, you know, as long as you live out the standards of that culture that you have, which to me, it looks like as an outsider, your culture is amazing. Like you have great athletes, you have great people and parents. Like it, it definitely stems from just doing things the right way. Like you keep saying, do you mind sharing like some of the standards or, um, like things that create that culture for you guys that what you're looking for, for a team like that? There's no bullying. There's parent signed contracts. We have no tolerance policies of the way that they act, you know, at tournaments, like, Unfortunately, we've had some incidents where we've loved, we love the player, but we had an incident and they had to move on because they broke rules. And that was so hard. Like, I think you need to be respectful and you need to um, 
be kind to each other. That's a huge part of it. We just have a zero tolerance policy for a lot of those things. And it's not a fear thing, Mm -hmm. but it's just how we do it. We have a, a big pamphlet of rules and expectations and we are very not strict about them, but we stick to our word about how these things need to be handled and what's a rule and this is the consequence to that rule. And if you miss practice or you miss whatever, like you will be sitting a game. Like that is how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that we don't encourage people to, you know, take time for themselves or their family or playing other sports, but understand that like, this is the commitment you made to us. And this is what we're going to hold you to. Yeah. Um, and everybody has the same, whether it's Anna or whoever, everybody is very much held to the same standard. And I think that is what they also can see and what they know too. It helps. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I I know a lot of people are going to be able to find value in that. And because they're trying their hardest, like I know, like some people forget that like parents are trying their hardest, like to help their kid, but sometimes it's like boundaries aren't a thing. And uh, coaches are also doing, they're trying their hardest too, but maybe it's, maybe that's like one or two things that you're describing that is missing from a program that people can, can learn from. I know a ton of people are going to learn from a, a lot from that. I want to, I want to dive into one thing before we we will do okay. our final, like rapid fire questions after this. I could not literally have this interview without talking about this. <laughs> you have no <laughs> idea what I'm about to say. Okay. No. <laughs> so, okay. As I'm like looking up all your accolades on Wikipedia, Uh, Just to make sure I get the years right, right? Because those are hard when we're getting older. I was, like, going through all this stuff, and I'm like, Lauren had, like, such an epic career. And I I played first base one time against the Bandits. And, oh, I'm bringing this up because it's literally on Wikipedia, Lauren. I'm bringing it up. It's on Wikipedia? Oh, it is. It says there was a charge player who had the error. That was the reason why you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's the thing. Um, for people, I need to set the scene. People have no idea what I'm about to say. Playing the bandits, Lauren is going through like this badass day. Like I'm like at first base, super pumped because Lauren's like slaying. She does. She has no idea she has a no hitter at the time. And I think it's like seventh. What? Yeah. Oh, no hitter. I know. She was literally yeah. having a perfect game. Nobody's touched the bag. It was the sixth inning. If you want. <laughs> See, Lauren remembers this. I'm playing first. Scared ishless at this point, going into the sixth inning. Like, she's got a perfect game. I don't know if she knows this. Um, and she is the amazing defender that she is. She gets this, like, routine ground ball to her. Maybe it was a hard hit. I think it might have been a hard hit. And she kind of, like, lofts this ball to me. Kind of like a, uh, here it comes. Not like a straight yeah. shot, but like this awkward, oh, shoot, I have it to turn my glove over thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. not blaming you for this at all. I'm a... Oh, Enough no. of a first baseman to where this should have been caught. It could have been a better throw. Okay. Should have caught the freaking ball. I'm a professional athlete. Catch the freaking ball. The whole time in my head, I'm like, don't miss this throw. Like, don't miss this throw. Don't miss it. And it, like, I'm shifting my glove. It, like, bounces down. But I swear I grab it with my other hand in time to, like, get the runner out. And the umpire, like, calls her safe. And I literally am trying to fight back tears. I'm like, I just killed Lauren's perfect game. Like, I literally <laughs> just did this. I wish there was replay. Can we just talk about this, though? 
There was no yeah. replay. And like no, in my that head, game was probably not even being recorded on anything. Exactly. And you know, as a first baseman, right. like when you get somebody out, you kind of like feel it. Like, I know yeah. I missed it, but I, f- I really felt like I made the recovery fast enough to still get her out. But the umpire yeah. like called her safe. Yeah. So that I ruined your perfect game, but I'm talking about this simply because professional athletes still have really, really tough moments. So after that, Lauren was the best teammate. Lauren was like, Burke, it's okay. Like, it's fine. You know, internally she's pissed off, of course, as she should no. be. You don't act I was, like you- I really wasn't pissed off. Like pissed off yeah, was not something that I like, felt. I but was still heartbroken. Heartbroken. Yeah, like yeah, disappointed, yeah, yeah. but not like mad at you. Like I know I was not mad at you. But I wanted to share this because like you were ex- like the best teammate after that had happened. Like because I'm beating myself up. I'm literally like I screwed this up. I screwed this up. Game's over. I'm in tears. Like and literally, I'm just so upset. And you were Lauren. Really upset. Dude, I like couldn't even. I don't even know what coach said in the huddle. I was like, we won five to zero. (laughs) Um, But I was like, I was so upset just simply because like I wanted it for you so bad to where I freaked myself out and screwed it up. And you know that I've never had a perfect game. You know, that doesn't help. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I know it's because you can't, you want, yes, it's not. And it's something I've told this story before to like people. I've not said who I would too. I would too. But I'll tell people. Yeah. I'll tell people. I tell people. Like you only have so much control until somebody else screws it up. But no, (laughs) I wanted to share this before we signed off simply because you were the best teammate in that situation. Um, Of course, I was like super upset. And you're like, Burke, it's fine. Like, it's fine. (laughs) She still threw a no hitter. Um, you know, one catch away from a perfect game, but you know, in that situation, you could have easily just been like, F you, you know, like, just <laughs> like emotions could have taken the best of both of us. I know. But I think that, I yeah, I was just grateful that, you know, it could have been worse. Uh, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that you, you were just great in that situation. And I think, well, thanks. I'm glad that I was. I needed to get this off my chest. No, it's okay. Keep going. Whatever you need. That's it. That's it. I'm almost crying right now because you're that 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 close. That's funny. But the thing is, is like how, I mean, I think the bandits ended up winning the championship that year. That, Mm -hmm. that was like, they had, that was their year. Mm -hmm. But I think in that situation, like who am I to be upset over a perfect game? I just threw a no hitter Mm -hmm. against the freaking bandits Mm -hmm. randomly Mm -hmm. who had some of the toughest hitters I've, I've ever faced that always got hits off me. Like who am I to be like, Oh my God, I can have a perfect game. Like how so I think Rocha was our coach. No. Yeah. She was. Rocha was our, she was cause she got the ball signed for me, which was so sweet. I still have it actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I don't know. What an experience. I just think that like, if people were to compete against you, they'd be like, she seems like a B word. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, I hate that. You know? Yeah. and I needed to share that like you're selfless as heck. You're just a gamer. You're a competitor. You're fierce. You're honestly that teammate that I really looked up to in the pro league. Cause I was struggling with my, let's face it. I think I was depressed at the time for a long period of time, yeah. but like you really kind of helped me stay strong. Like you used to like put on like, makeup she'd cake on her makeup friends before her starts 
because that, that helped her with like her confidence you know I, I think I mean at least that's what it I guess I, yeah just like you it was like your way of like preparing yourself yeah. I think yeah and like I learned so much from you like how to one be a good teammate in that situation but also like how do you mentally prepare? How do you physically prepare for a big performance? Like you taught me a lot about how to be confident basically, but also how to be super selfless. So I'm, and this podcast without telling, saying that story, but also just yeah. sharing how much I love you. goes way back. Well, thank you. That was very nice. Of you. You're welcome. I'm so happy that I, not that I thought that I would treat you like bad, but <laughs> I could have got let, that's emotional. It was, it was, you know, mm-hmm. that's emotional. That could have been, yeah. I think we, uh, it was good. Yeah. I, I, I think everybody on our team remembers that game and remembers yeah, that I moment. So. Um, but everybody fails at some point in their life. It's okay. It's good. <laughs> you know, when people like, try it to doesn't tell you get that you're worse. Perfect, yeah. Like when I, when people are like, oh my gosh, everything is so hard right now. I'm like, let me share this story. Yeah. <laughs> let me share this. I had, right. I broke a, <laughs> I was the opposite side of breaking a perfect game. Um, I think even the runner that got on base was just like, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> no, the whole, I remember the whole bandit dug out. They were like, dude. I know. And I'm like, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. It'll well, she okay. finished it out. That was still the only, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's move on before I start crying. Okay. We're going to wrap up with, I call it five to thrive. So basically like five rapid fire questions. First thing that comes to mind, answer it. Sound good? Okay. Before yes. I do that though. I know people love you, and I know that most people are probably already following you, but how do people find you to hear your wisdom on Twitter when you went on that rant, and I loved it? Things like that. All travel ball rants, uh, lhager17, that's usually what my Twitter's for. Um, (laughs) And then my Instagram is exactly the same, lhager17. And then... With the blue check mark. I do. That is... I do have that. I'm just a has-been now, but... Um, and I give lessons at the softball project in Charlotte, North Carolina. So if you're in the area, you know where to find me. Love it. Learn from Lauren. She's the mom.com. Um, I'll make sure all of that you can find in the show notes as well to be able to follow her. All right. Anything else that we need to share that you're up to that maybe we didn't know about? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Just go say hi to her at a tournament when she's coaching because she's everywhere. If you're travel ball people, just say hello i'm usually in a big straw hat because the son and i just don't let's go but didn't your dad used to wear straw hats he wore a bucket hat okay bucket hat he was a bucket hatter yeah Um, i love it i love it all right let's do this five to thrive questions first question i have for you was the greatest lesson your parents taught you oh my gosh okay i would say that lesson um, is to always judge people off if they're a good person or not before anything else. They have always been that way. They have always instilled that in me that being a good person above everything is what's important. Love it. What's your favorite yes. thing about the game? The people and the places and the experiences you'll have playing it. 100%. Good answer. What's your favorite memory from this game? All the people, just kidding. It could really be the same answer, but I think the traveling and the experiences in that way of the places that I've been, I've been on six continents um, before I was 26 years old. I have Antarctica left, but I don't know if I'll be going there for softball if I ever go there. Um, 
the places I've traveled, the experiences and the how much it's grown me as a human being and the confidence that it's instilled in me, um, why I'm important and why I have value as a woman. Um, it's definitely helped a lot with that too. Yeah. You exude a lot of that confidence. Now, what advice would you give maybe your 12 year old travel ball self? That you are perfect the way that you are. You are built the way that you are to be successful in this game. You are get, you have gifts that not everyone around you is going to understand or think that are normal, but they will <laughs> literally take you to experiences. Hey, Arnie, um, <laughs> that the normal average person will never get to experience without. I mean, I was 5'10 when I was a freshman and in high school and I was 200 pounds and that was really hard as a teenage girl, but it will pay off. And you will not even care about that for one second. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about Arnie, but I will say that that could be like a whole nother episode. It's just that yeah. I, I love how you talk about that. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to have you back on. <laughs> we can talk about that. It's a lot. All good. I, like I said, there's a million places we could have gone now before I ask you the final question, I just want to thank you a million for coming on the show. Probably should have happened in season one, but grateful it could happen. Now you have an incredibly busy schedule with your team. My dog. You love him. I love him. I do. I do have to remind myself that. Um, yeah. But I, I'm just so grateful for what you've given the game. And I know a lot of people that have followed you since you, before you won two Women's College World Series, before you played pro, like you've put a real big staple on our game. And we are so much better with you in it. So super grateful for you. Thanks, Burke. Oh, of that course. so nice of you to say. I'm here for Sometimes you. Sometimes when you're out of it for so long. You it's forget really nice that. to hear those things. Yeah. You, yeah I feel do. that. I feel so that. Thank you. You bet. All right. Last question <laughs> that I have for you. Hopefully, Arnie stops barking. What legacy do you want to leave on the game of softball? That, I mean, so much about like just being who you are is going to make you the best softball player you can possibly be. And when you finally just embrace 100% and be 100% unapologetically who you are, that you'll find you will thrive in sport. You will thrive in life. Um, and I just want to make sure that that's important for everyone to understand as young women getting to play sports. So we are so lucky that we can build that confidence, that self-worth and self-love and everything about being a strong young woman through sport, um, especially like softball. I guess the legacy is just not about you know the statistical parts of it obviously that's a huge part of it like now there's a, a level and a, a record to be broken which is so cool and i hope somebody gets up there because that just made the game better but just about you can just be whoever you want to be in this sport and it's okay and you're perfect and i guess that's really it. my mission is to make sure that teenage girls know that it's amazing well your athletes and everybody listening you You've really changed a lot of lives with that. So you're, you're moving. I, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. I miss you. I miss you too. We'll see you yes. next time on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> next time, uh, next episode. Leave it to Lauren Hager to keep it real. I was honored to finally be able to interview her for the podcast Honestly, wanted this to happen in season one, but we're just lucky enough to get her now. 
I fell in love with her as soon as we became teammates. She is just infectiously, is that a word, confident. And when I was struggling most with my confidence, I had Lauren to look up to and it truly helped with my own. I want to give you guys four takeaways from this episode. And the first one is learn to love practice. Remember when she talked about Coach Walton and how he loved practice and he took defense so seriously? I know I'm a hitting coach. I know hitting's my baby, but practicing defense, practicing and just loving the art form of practice is huge. We had Caitlin Lowe, who is now the head coach at the University of Arizona on, and she also talked about this, how practice is an art and learning to love it is what the best teams do to see the results that they end up getting at the end of their seasons. So that was a big one. The next one is that every player is coached and needs to be coached differently. Lauren said she was super stubborn and coach Walton did a really good job of learning how she ticks and getting the most out of her. Remember, not every athlete's the same. I guarantee you there's a girl that's the opposite of Lauren on that team that won two national titles that needed to be coached much differently in order to get the best out of her. So just understand that when you're coaching players or if you're a player that maybe is misunderstood, make it known and let your coaches know what you need. The next thing that we talked about is just that pro softball has come a long way. Now, I know it's nowhere where we need to be, right? We want we want pro softball to be as big as the MLB one day, but it takes players like Lauren and you who keep supporting these pro players. Um, did you guys just hear about this brand new professional league? I think it's called Women's Professional Fast Pitch. And Lauren Chamberlain is the commissioner of it. I cannot wait to hopefully get her on in the podcast soon to share more about that. But softball is headed in an amazing direction and we need to keep supporting it. The last thing that I want to give you as a takeaway is to find your thing that makes you confident and own it. Like I said, Lauren was huge on helping me develop my confidence and just understand what works for you. For me, it was eye black. For Lauren, it was putting on a full face of makeup before she started a pitching game. Find what makes you confident and build up a routine to do it every single time that you play. That doesn't mean you're always going to hit a thousand or always throw a perfect game. No, but it sets you up so that you can be more successful when you do play. So find your thing that makes you confident and own it and crush it. All right, guys, if you like this episode or learned at least one thing from this episode, please like, share, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, A lot of times I give listener shout outs of people that have written reviews and y'all are blowing me away with your feedback. Let me know what part stood out to you and I'll try to recreate episodes to fill in the gaps and and help you in this game become the best version of yourself, whether you're a parent, a player, or a coach. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Stay humble, stay brave, stay kind, keep smiling, and don't forget to stay awkward. All right, guys. See you next week.